Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the book of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Prayer is Adoration, preached on July 17, 1997. As we consider the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Lord's Prayer, that is, the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray. We find this prayer in St. Matthew chapter 6, and this morning we consider verse 9 and 10. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a rabbinic saying, and it goes like this. He who prays within his house surrounds it with a wall that is stronger than iron. Last week we considered prayer as talking to our Heavenly Father. This morning we consider prayer as adoration of our Heavenly Father. And next week, if God wills, we will consider prayer as petitioning our Heavenly Father. Prayer, we noted, is the activity of the children of God. And we know that all people are not children of God. Prayer is the activity of the citizens of the kingdom of God. We pray to our Heavenly Father, who is also the King of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. This means... The Lord Jesus Christ knows that all true Christians will pray. The Lord's Prayer, as we find it in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, is a pattern, a model. It is an outline of prayer. And we know that there are six petitions and the first three of these petitions deal with the glory and the honor of God. And the last three petitions deal with the total needs, spiritual and material, of God's people. Notice the order. First God, then man. And we read in several places the prayer of Jesus himself. And in John chapter 11, at the tomb of Lazarus, see our Lord Jesus Christ praying. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up, that is, looked up to the heavens and said, Father, in other words, Jesus himself 
addresses his prayer to the Father who is in heaven. In the 17th chapter of John, we read, after Jesus said this, he looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, and the same privilege is granted to us that we could come and look up to the heavens and pray to our heavenly Father. And this was also the habit of the apostles. And we notice the prayer of St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What a privilege it is to pray to our heavenly Father. Our Father especially dwells in heaven. Heaven, a place of purity, righteousness, power. It is the place of his throne, a place where holy angels worship the Father, saying, Holy, holy, holy art thou. Angels delight in worship this heavenly Father. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And you look, in the book of Revelation and you find great prayers prayed by the 24 elders, the four living creatures, the angels and all the creatures, God's people also praying. It is to this third heaven, to paradise itself, Paul was caught up where he heard inexpressible things, things that men are not permitted to tell. So we are given privilege to pray to our Heavenly Father who loves us and whom we love and adore. Heavenly Father who is near, who is immanent, who is with us and yet who is transcendent and all glorious. So we need to understand when we come to pray to our Heavenly Father, we need to recollect. So when we pray to this Heavenly Father at no time, we should rush to His presence and demand that He should do this and He should do that for us. We should not behave as spoiled children who come and calls His Father Joe. Oh, Joe, where is my breakfast? Oh, Joe, where is my medicine? Oh, Joe, where is my clothes this morning? Joe, where is my spending money, Joe? And I hope that you as fathers will train your children in the fear of the Lord. And you will train them so that they will revere you and respect you and not treat you as appear and call you Joe. 
In other words, we must recollect. We must be conscious of his glory. We must be full of awe and reverence as well as love for our Heavenly Father. Remember how Moses, out of curiosity, wanted to find out why the bush was burning and yet not consumed. But he was told, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. And Moses hid his face. In Jesus Christ, praise God. He is our father. But we must be aware that he is our heavenly father. We must therefore learn to revere him and to adore him. So the first petition is hallowed be thy name. And it is a restatement. Of Exodus 20 and verse 7. The fourth commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. As God's children. We are to be chiefly concerned. About the glory of God. As Moses and Joshua were concerned. About the glory of God. Turn with me to the. Book of Joshua and chapter 7 and verse 9. Now listen to what Joshua says. O Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us. And wipe out our name from the earth. And now look at his question. What then will you do for your own great name? Our passion. Our singular passion in our life ought to be for the glory of God. The fame of his name. We live for one purpose only. And that is the furtherance of the glory of God. We do not make God holy and glorious and resplendent. He is holy. The seraphs cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. But we proclaim him as glorious. We as creatures in all we do reflect his glory. Be ye holy for I am holy. There is none holy as the Lord. We pray that God himself will glorify his name among his rational creatures. That is also the meaning of hallowed be thy name. We also pray that all people of the world praise his name. And stop their idolatry and blasphemy. And come and worship the true only living God. But we especially pray that his children in their lives reflect the glory of God daily. And not despise him. In the last prophetic book in the Old Testament, 
Malachi chapter 1 and 6, we read, a son honors his father. That is the truth. That's an indicative statement. It is the reality. It ought to be the reality. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me, says the Lord Almighty. As obedient children, St. Peter tells us, we ought to be holy in all we do. It is then we hallow God's name. Consider his name as holy, separate. God's name stands for God as he revealed himself to us, especially in his sacred scriptures. And we are given a revelation into the multifaceted name of God. El. That's his name. It means mighty one. Let's be aware of this when we come into the presence of God. He is El, the mighty one. And he is El Shaddai. Meaning he is God Almighty, mighty to save his people and mighty to destroy all his enemies. El Shaddai he is. Do you keep that in mind? Are you aware of that name as we come to his presence for prayer? He is called Elohim, which means creator. God with fullness of power who calls into existence that which never existed before. His name is El Elyon. Means God most high, sovereign Lord of the universe who rules all things. His name is Adonai, master of all. Lord of all, and his name is Jehovah, or Yahweh, means self-existing, self-sufficient Savior of his covenant people. God alone is independent, and all creatures depend on him. He is also Jehovah of hosts. God of the heavenly armies. Do you consider that when you come to his presence? The one who wages war and always succeeds. He always defeats his enemies. He is also called Jehovah Jireh. Meaning God who sees ahead. And provides for all our needs, total needs, physical and spiritual. The need of the soul and need of the body. He's also called Jehovah Tzitkenu. The Lord, our righteousness. Hallelujah. We have no righteousness. Look at the publican when he came and prayed and he said he's a sinner have mercy upon me and he went home justified the Lord our righteousness 
Do you understand that? As we come to his presence. And if you understand it, you are hallowing his name. He's called Jehovah Nissi. Means Jehovah our banner. Always triumphant. He leads us always in triumph. The Bible says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Have you considered that his name is Jehovah Nissi? It is he who defeated death. And God raised his son from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. There is triumphant God. Hallelujah. His name is Jehovah Rophicker. The one who heals you. We are sick in soul and in body. But praise be to God. The mission and the purpose of this Jehovah is to bring healing to us. And we are told by his stripes we are healed. Do you think that when you come to his presence. He's called Jehovah Shalom. The wicked has no rest. There is no peace for the wicked. Even in their parting, they have no peace. They have no rest. But this Jehovah, this Yahweh, is our peace us all understanding. He's called Jehovah Roe means the Lord is shepherd. He's our shepherd. Ever guiding us in the way of life, in the way of peace, in the way of joy. Ever knowing our every need. Hallelujah. Ever helping us. Ever present. And not only that, we are told his name is Jehovah Shammah. Meaning, the Lord who is there. Hallelujah. There where his people are. If two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst. Isn't that wonderful? Jehovah Shammah. So in accordance with his revelation in the Holy Scriptures... May we honor our Heavenly Father. May we learn to adore Him. The opposite of honoring God is to blaspheme Him. And all who blaspheme Him shall be judged by Him. And let me tell you, all idolatry is blasphemy. People either hallow His name or blaspheme His name. And may God help us to hallow his name. The singular passion of Jesus Christ was to honor his heavenly father. Turn with me to the gospel of St. John. And chapter 8. And beginning with verse 49. Jesus says, I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself. 
For there is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. What was the singular passion of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you. To honor his father. To glorify his father. Let me tell you further. His singular passion was to honor his father. And glorify his father. Especially through his suffering and death on the cross. So let us turn to John 12. Here Jesus Christ facing the cross. Verse 27 and 28. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father save me from this hour. No it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father glorify your name. And the meaning that is, Father, glorify your name through my death on the cross. That's what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. The singular passion of a true child of God is to bring honor and glory to God alone. And the 17th chapter of John. Here we read, Father, the time has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you again by the death on the cross. We cause his name to be hallowed when we first profess truly his name. And Matthew 7 and verse 23, listen. To what Jesus speaks concerning those who profess his name falsely. Verse 23, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And any person who says Jesus Christ is Lord and refuses to live in accordance with that confession is a blasphemer and not a believer in Jesus Christ. And so let us examine ourselves and see whether we have professed Jesus Christ as Lord truly. And if he did so, then we are hallowing his name. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And number two, we hallow and honor and glorify God when our mind is suffused with God's thoughts. When we think God's thoughts and not filled with our own considerations. When God becomes a subsidiary item like an appendix. Such idea is blasphemy. Thirdly, we honor God's name when we trust in him. And by trusting in his revelation, in his holy scriptures. 1 John chapter 5 verse 9. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater. Because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. And when we put our faith in God's testimony, in God's word, we are hallowing the name of our God. 
And in verse 10, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. Notice that. It is blasphemy not to believe in God's word because you are saying God is false. God is a liar. Therefore, I will not believe in his holy word. And let me tell you, any person who refuses to believe in the absolute veracity and the authority of the Holy Scripture is a blasphemer of the only true and living God. Yes, we hallow his name when we truly come and worship him and say, Thou art worthy. There is no other God. So he is the worthy one, so we worship him. And when we gather together on the Lord's day, we are here to worship him. And to declare, thou art holy, thou art worthy. Turn with me to John's gospel chapter 5 and verse 23. Here is a statement by the father himself. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Let me therefore on the basis of this scripture declare to all that if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his person and in his work, in his atonement, in his propitiatory sacrifice, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his sovereign lordship, in his function as the coming judge, then you are not a worshiper of God. You are not hallowing his name. You are blaspheming his name. And we hallow our God's name in another way. In what way? We hallow God's name when we choose his glory at our expense, whether it is life or property. John 21, listen to what Jesus himself is speaking to St. Peter. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Let me tell you, if we are true Christians, then our singular passion is to bring glory and honor to God at our expense. That's why multitudes of people throughout all the history of the church, they died. They were martyred. And yet through their martyrdom, they glorified God and honored him. What about properties? Book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Here it is, Moses himself trained to be an emperor, trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. But he cast it all aside, forsook it all for the honor of Jesus Christ. 
You know, there are people who easily will trust in Jesus Christ. If only Jesus Christ will give them long life. Good looking wife or handsome husband. Will promote them in their job and all that is false. And pure nonsense. We hallow his name because he is God. The only true God and because he has become our heavenly father. And in him we have received all things. Listen to what the disciples are saying in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Oh yes, our faith in Jesus Christ may mean leave all our material things behind. So then let me say, when we say hallowed be thy name, understand it means that we choose God's glory at the expense of our own life, our own prestige, our own property, our own everything. We refuse to manipulate God. Secondly, we read, Thy kingdom come. Now that statement assumes the fact that there is a kingdom of Satan, a kingdom of darkness. It assumes the fact that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. It assumes the fact that Satan is the god of this world. It assumes the fact that vast majority of the people of the world worship and adore and obey and honor Satan. Go home and read Revelation 13 and you, you will find that. But hear the prayer of God's children. Thy kingdom come. The rule of God. The reign of God. And the truth is his kingdom has come. In Jesus Christ, in the midst of us. Luke 17, verse 21, Jesus said, The kingdom of God has come into your midst. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has broken into this world. That's glory. We need to praise God. The sun has risen with healing in his wings. And not only that, we pray that his kingdom may come into human hearts on a daily basis. That people all over the world may repent and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray that the spirit of the living God will move in the heart of sinners and cause them to bow down to Jesus Christ and kiss his feet and confess that he is Lord. True church is God's kingdom in which his will is done. Isn't that true? The church is the kingdom of God. And this prayer, thy kingdom come, is being fulfilled on a daily basis, I said. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That is coming of God's rule in the hearts of God's people. Jesus said, 
Ye shall be my witnesses after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. It ought to be the prayer of God's church. Thy kingdom come. And may more and more and people of the world confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we are told about the nature of the kingdom. It is not eating nor drinking. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Spirit. Even now God's people experience in this world. And not only that. This prayer means that his kingdom may manifest in its fullness when Jesus Christ comes again. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. And read Matthew 26 and verse 64. And listen to what Jesus says. Yes it is as you say. Jesus replied. But I say to all of you. In the future you will see the son of man sitting. At the right hand of the majesty. On high, right hand of the mighty one, and coming on the clouds of heaven. That is also a prayer that the kingdom may come in its full resplendent glory and authority and power and defeat all enemies and eliminate all evil from his universe. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22, we find this Aramaic expression, Maranatha. Oh, that was the prayer of the early church. Come, O Lord. And you see the same thing in the book of Revelation. Chapter 22. And verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the prayer for the coming of his kingdom in all its power and glory and external glory and fullness and power. Yes, it is coming. Revelation 11 and verse 15 we read. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Of the increase of his government there shall be no end. Oh yes. Or you could turn to the book of Daniel. And let me read to you what Daniel received by way of revelation. As to this coming of the kingdom in all its glory. Chapter 2 and verse 44. In the time of those kings. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. That will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn to Second Peter and see what Peter is telling us about this kingdom. Chapter 3, Second Peter and verse 12 and verse 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? 
you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. It was a looking forward to and hastening this coming of the kingdom of God in all its glory. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. Evil is finally wiped out. It's heaven and earth, new heaven and earth, all glorious without evil. Hallelujah. Satan is defeated and destroyed and put away. Christ will reign forever and ever. And not only that, we are told, Thy will be done. But let me say this. The synagogue service, every synagogue service ends with a Kodesh, a prayer. And this is the prayer. Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world, which he created according to his will. May he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon. And to this say, Amen. And I think there is going to be a fulfillment of this prayer. Thy will be done. That's the third one. Now notice this follows the first and the second petition logically. How can you hallow God's name <laughs> unless you are doing God's will? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you in heaven God's will is eagerly sought and done by his holy angels. They are ever ready. To hear and do the will of God. Completely. Joyfully. Immediately. Turn to the book of Luke. And chapter 1. And listen to what Gabriel. An angel is saying. To Zechariah. Verse 19. The angel answered. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Hallelujah. They stand in the presence of God. And they hear the command of God. And they run to do it. He goes to Zechariah. He goes to Mary. He goes wherever he sends. It's the pleasure and the delight and the joy of an angel. A holy angel to do God's will. And what about Jesus? He came to do God's will. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I have come, he said, to do your will. Remember when he was 12 years of age, he was in the temple. And he told his parents, you are all anxious. What's the reason? Don't you understand that I must be about my father's business? That's right. And to Satan he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. I am totally committed to do the Father's will that is written, in other words. 
And in Luke 22 and verse 42 we read, this is the prayer of Jesus. Finally he says, not my will, but thine be done. Let me tell you, when we say that, then we know we are true Christians. Not my will, O God, but thine be done. Thine be done. Thine be done. Thine be done. Hallelujah. And what about us? Well, St. Peter and others, they told the Sanhedrin, we ought to obey God rather than men. In fact, we are given the Holy Spirit to obey God. We are unafraid of our life and our property, our honor. We have a mission, we have a passion, and that is to honor God by obeying his will, which is revealed to us. Or turn with me to Mark chapter 12, what Jesus Christ is saying. When his mother and brothers came to give him chicken soup, to comfort him and help him out. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, verse 46, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Hallelujah. Who is going to be fellowshipping with me, in other words? Who is going to experience holy communion with God? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Read Ephesians chapter 10 and chapter 5 verse 10 and 17 where we are told, Find out what pleases the Lord. Find out the will of God. How can you pray thy will be done when we don't even read God's word passionately, intelligently, systematically, regularly? Because the will of God is discovered from his book. What type of will? Romans 12 and verse 2, that good and pleasing, perfect will of God. Oh, there is the will of God and there is the will of man and there is the will of Satan. And a child of God says, I will do the will of God over against the will of man, including myself, and the will of Satan. That's Christianity. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven, it means may I do, may I do your will alone and not my own will or the will of Satan. Secondly, may my family do the will of God. Hallelujah. May your church do the will of God. May the whole world recognize and do your will. That ought to be our prayer. Hallelujah. That's why St. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in your heart richly. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, we should be like the angels, holy angels. We should do the will of God completely. Remember 1 Samuel 15. God spoke to Saul and said, I want you to go and destroy. Did he do that? No, he didn't do it completely. Learn this. When God speaks to us, 
we must do his will completely. Secondly, Deuteronomy 26 verse 16 tells us we must do the will of God with joy. With all our heart, our soul, and our mind, with delight. Not mere mechanical performance. Number three, we must do the will of God immediately. Abraham was told he sacri- to sacrifice his son, his only son. The son he loved, Isaac, from whom the nation was to come and Messiah was to come. What did you do? Read Verse 3 of chapter 22, he got up early in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, he was wrestling in his mind. And finally he came to the conclusion, God said, a nation is going to come out of Isaac. And if this, this is the case, he must raise him up from the ashes. And God is able to do it. Hallelujah. And he did it. Number four. When we discover the will of God, we must not only do it completely, joyfully, immediately, we must do it sacrificially at our own expense, at the cost of our own life and reputation and property and recognition. May God help us to honor and glorify his name that our petitions will be according to his will. And that they be granted to us by our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. May God help us to revere Him, to honor Him, to adore Him. Hallelujah. To worship Him. To come into His presence in holy reverence. Recognizing that He is infinite God. That He is a personal God. That God is a spirit. That God is almighty. Hallelujah. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is all holy. God is all just. God is truth. Hallelujah. And this God is for us. God who is compassionate. God who is forgiving. Hallelujah. That he forgave all of our sins. Hallelujah. May God help us to come in this way. Adoring him. Let me grant you. That he will hear our petitions. <laughs> because they will be according to his will. And they will grant us all that we need. For our body and for our soul. Heavenly Father we pray that you help us to pray. Especially to adore you. For we pray in Jesus name. Amen.